This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Did you know the Lake of Rage podcast now has merged? At doomed-gaming.com, which is down below in the description, we have a shirt and sticker available to you. Use code LAKE for 10% off your first order of some Lake of Rage podcast merch. And if this sells well, we're going to add some more designs in the future. Now, on to the show. Yo, and welcome to the 129th episode of Lake of Rage Pokemon Trading Card Game Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clemente, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by a very special temporary guest host. Joining us, I don't even know if it's fresh. I normally say fresh off of a top eight at LAIC, but, you know, it's actually been a couple weeks in there, right? Uh, We have the one and only Matt Burris. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm really glad to be on on the pod. I've watched many episodes, so glad to be on the glad to be on one for once i appreciate that you're here you were immediately like yeah and i always gotta say thank you so much anytime someone's like oh i listen to this i'm like oh my gosh then people do in fact listen to this so i appreciate that so we got a very special episode for everyone today we're gonna get some rapid strike questions to get to know matt a little bit better then we're gonna talk a little bit about guard of war so laic you were one of the three guard of wars to make it into top eight at LAIC. Your list was a little different than the other two. So I'll give a shout out to the Trash Lounge podcast. They had Kieran and Jeremy Gibson on, who are the other two in top eight playing an almost identical 60. But yours looks fairly different from theirs. So I'm excited to get to hear the other side of it, those list inclusions, how some of those matchups are supposed to go, you know, how do you actually beat insert meta deck here, and all that other good stuff. But of course, we have to start with those rapid strike questions. So you'll have 60 seconds to answer as many of them as you can with no explanation, just straight off the top of the head. Got it. Are you ready? Of course. Question number one. Do you prefer spring or fall? Uh, Fall. What's your favorite breakfast food? Uh, Toast. Favorite retro format to play? Uh, Ultra Prism to Cosmic Eclipse. Favorite deck ever? Uh, Pyro or the safe? Would you rather go to the bottom of the ocean or space? Space. Who would be your starter Pokemon? Turtwig. Would you rather watch a comedy or a drama? Comedy. Toppings on your perfect pizza? Uh, garlic prawn with lots of cheese. What color sleeves do you use? Sapphire. Cats or dogs? Cats. Juniper, Sycamore, Oak, Rowan, or Magnolia? Magnolia. Favorite subject in school? IT. Favorite regional to go to? Brisbane. What's your favorite holiday? Uh, I like Christmas. Mario Brothers or Legend of Zelda? Mario. Rate your karaoke skills on a scale of one to Beyonce. Oh, literally negative. (laughs) And that is time. You killed it, though. That was 16. That was great. (laughs) Awesome. So I got to ask. I will will admit, I had some 
I went through in some past episodes and looked at some common answers. So I had some pre-prepared there, but some of them were, were fresh off the dome. I also love, I had changed some of the questions right before this because I was like, oh, I've been going, I haven't changed some of them for a little bit. So you did get those new ones incredibly well. Yeah, I was prepared for winter or summer and then you hit me straight with, uh, with fall or autumn and I was, oh, I fall and spring and I was just like, oh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. Where did that come from? Yeah. So you said your favorite retro format is Ultra Prism to Cosmic Eclipse. Mm. You, you're going to have to... Okay, I am a tag team lover, so you are talking to someone who did enjoy that format, but you do have to tell people, why did you pick a tag team format featuring Arceus, Dialga, and Palkia as your favorite right. format to go back and play? Okay, so that format does have ADP, which, uh, like, I think a lot of people have this, like, common misconception that, like, the like the card was, like, turbo broken out the gates, like, everyone was playing it, when in reality, it sort of, it sort of hit its peak maybe three months later when Zacian came out. Um, I think for that format, ADP was a perfectly balanced deck, albeit a little underpowered by the mm-hmm. end of it when um, Giratina and Garchomp decks sort of just came along, because they just kind of blow up an ADP and take three prizes and then you know they, they can um they they at least the Miss Magius versions have power plant to get around Keldeo so mm-hmm. I think the deck was a little underpowered at the time I personally think the tag team like that like meta where ta- tag call had just come out was like perfect for tag teams like yes they do give up three prizes but like I think not many of them were one shotting each other Tina Chomp sort of had the two shot with um Snipe shot, I think it was. I forgot. Uh, I haven't played attack. that format in a yeah. while, but I have. I built like eight decks of that format, and it's just like a trip down memory lane, just because I like I did so well in that format, and I played so many tournaments. Mm-hmm. But I only played like one deck that whole format, so like going back and playing all the others is like always, always really fun. So correct me if I'm wrong. You won Brisbane regionals in that format. Yeah, I top aided Brazil, and then two weeks later, I went and won Brisbane, both with Mewtwo and Mew. And this was the Mewtwo and Mew deck that, unlike the American version, which was Ac- Acrobikes, was Acrobike? Acrobike. Acrobike and just yeah. like pure gas. This was the Tag Call version with the Malalana, Goosehala, and the Breaksard, correct? Yeah, yeah. Breaksard was crazy. I can't believe people didn't play that card. You searched for three. Three whole cards, man. The only the only disruption they had is reset stamp. It's like cool, you're gonna reset stamp me to six. Like dope, I'll take it. I absolutely loved. I net decked. I'm pretty sure it was you in that case because I played at San Diego Regionals, probably 58 or 59 of that 60 of the quote unquote Australian list. And if you won that regionals, it's probably the exact one I took from you. Uh, Breaks yeah. are so good. I played against one player who shall remain nameless, though a top player everyone has heard of, who was playing a uh, Dollstall. And the amount of tilt that they got, why do you always have everything you need? And I just kind of like, I'm literally searching my deck every turn. Like, what What are you talking card, about? Bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. And that that level of salt is still in my soul powering me to this day. <laughs> yeah, I love that deck. That was a great deck. Speaking of great decks to go, another reason people have probably heard of you, but if not, they are very familiar with. You said one of your favorite decks to play was the safe. What is the safe? Okay, so that was the name we gave to Natalie and I 
played this weird all metal deck to the first players cup on ptcgo and it sort of just had an it had like a one card answer for basically everything you had damazenta v for eternatus and you had the the all famous uh bronze team up bronzong for center scorch shout out to dan hugar <laughs> um and then you had you just had like the Luke metalization part for basically everything else, which was primarily ADP and ADPization in that tournament. And uh, I have fond memories because we didn't lose to anything but each other, which was great. <laughs> you completely revolutionized what Luke metal was because mm. there were a few people who, and I was one of the champions of like, that's when I was actually a relevant streamer. I was like, Luke metal is nuts in this format. Like you beat everything. And I was playing it with like Jirachi from team up and, you know, a lot of extra Pokemon. And then that player's cup came out and you completely changed of like, what if I just play the big tanky things and say, you ain't got it like mm. that. And it was, yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. Albeit the, the bronzong is, was a little bit of a troll pick. Like, it was cut, like, all the Luke medals cut immediately after, for obvious reasons, because all the center score just had either Cramorant V or Double to get around it. But at the time, when nobody was sort of, it wasn't on anyone's radar, definitely was the was the play for that center scorch matchup. And were you the one on stream who made us watch Puka commentate center scorch into Bronzong for an excessive amount of time? <laughs> Yeah, I like the the recording was like ten minutes long, and like they make you send every game to like the um, producers or whatever. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that'll be funny if they ever stream that. <laughs> and then like a week later, I'm like sitting down, like watching it, like I wonder what games they're gonna stream. And then it comes up with Matthew Boris and Dan Hugo, and I'm like, oh <laughs> no, they did not. Like, did they even watch the game prior? Like, like what's going on there? I have no idea why they chose that one, but it was beautiful watching. I'm it was Puka and someone else. I forget who Puka was paired with. It was with. Sable House. Sable House. Okay, there we go. And yeah. Just the talking over this. Very clearly, nothing is happening. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Players Cup One. We're here to talk about LAIC and Gardevoir. So you got top eight at LAIC. You played a Gardevoir list that I assume you were not the only one. In fact, Limitless is telling me that Brent Tonneson played the exact same 60. But uh, how many of you As are on the 60? mostly do. I mean, that checks out, right? Who's the brains? Yeah. Um, well, it's usually it's Brent. I think for this tournament, it was a bit more collaborative um, mm -hmm. just because Gardevoir was a bit all over the shop. Like pre-LAIC, there was a lot. Obviously, it was like there was different versions in top eight, like... Normally, you'd expect the same archetype to be, like, one or two cards different. Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know, like, some tech inclusions, whereas the Gardevoir list were just, like, some were completely different engines, you know, some had Luminion and no VIP pass, and, like, the attackers were different, some played mm -hmm. Cape, some didn't. So, like, it was very much um, going through the motions. And even, like, the night before, we were still stumped on some card picks, and, you know, I sort of had to put my foot down on some of them, like, um, I think the last change we ended up making was uh, cutting the collapsed for the second artisan, and it was getting to like 11 p.m. And I was like, "Look, we're playing second artisan. That, <laughs> this is what we're doing." And Brent was like, "Sure, why not?" And and we we ripped it and shipped it. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a bit more collaborative this time. But it's usually Brent making most of the decisions. Let's see. 
So for anyone who doesn't have Limitless pulled up, maybe you're driving in your car, so it wouldn't even help me to put it on the screen right now because you're listening on Spotify. It is a very generic Gardevoir list as a whole, as far as what we used to think was a generic Gardevoir list. It has all the regular attackers. You have two Arcanas. You have a Screamtail in there now, but you still have a Cresselia, you still have a Zashi, and you still have a Mysterious Tail Mew. And then the supporter line for Iono, again, pretty standard, but you'd have two Averys. There's a Turo in there. There's only one boss. You have the two counter catchers. The item count looks identical to last format. Four VIP, yeah. four level, four, three ultra, two fog crystal, two rare can. Like that stuff's just kind of the normal. Yeah. What made you say, we're going to take the previously successful Gardevoir and stick with it and not go into the, I'm going to say the Luke Morris of the Celios network hype of no, 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 VIP is trash, right? Like, you don't need this card anymore, and you can fit all these other cool techs in. So what made you stick with that core? Mm, so I think it was really interesting, like, how our whole group had sort of been playing Gardevoir for about six months now. Like, the whole... Uh, we were testing with um, Brent Nally and James Cox, all very well-known Gardevoir enjoyers. Yes. So we were sort of all uh, all that experience with Gardevoir, and we all know how... Some games happen, like, sometimes you, you like, don't have the resources to Mirage Step, and sometimes you, it just, like, you open your hand and, like, cool, I'm using Step this game. <laughs> so, like, we sort of had to, we sort of figured, like, we wanted to stay flexible based on our opening hand, and we weren't particular fans of how Celio's um, list at least functioned, where, like, it felt like you were sort of shoehorned into just using Step every game just mm. because... You had a lot less um, resources to go wide early, um, especially without Mysterious Tail Mew. Um, that was a big one we were like unsure on. Obviously, we used Step a lot, but we didn't want to have to like rely on it so much. Um, mm -hmm. And there's some matchups you just don't have time to step. Like I think the biggest one is probably Maridon. Like if you're stepping and they're taking their their third and fourth prize card with Iron Hands, you're sort of sitting there like, well. You know, I'm still kind of playing the game, but not by much. So I think VIP pass was something we we tried without, but we were sort of like, we this card's still pretty good, so we'll we'll keep it in. So you put a lot of thought into the fact that Mariadon, specifically with Iron Hands, was going to be a relevant part of this meta. Mm. How do you actually beat that deck? Assuming they get an early hands, like a turn one, turn two, Iron Hands on a ralts or whatever who cares what it's on how do you actually yeah. take how do you actually pull that off well i think your biggest you like your biggest advantage you have is that guard of ix has a lot of hp yeah. um so the way you sort of have to beat that matchup is either a turn two candy ex mm -hmm. um into just punching the iron hands or even just counter capturing like like, sometimes you can just kill Mareep or Flaffy, which, like, really slows them down because you, uh, the lists usually only just have, like, the Raichu to nuke the, the EX. So mm -hmm. if you kill the Flaffy, it's pretty hard for them to get a big Raichu to kill your EX. So a lot of the time it came down to, like, getting a Candy EX counter-catcher, which, it, albeit, is pretty hard. But, you know, like, it, it's it's a line, you know. It, mm -hmm. It's there. So a lot of it's killing the Flaffy... Iona really low, and sometimes you just got to smack the Iron Hands and hope they don't have boss, which, I mean, in reality, a lot of the time they don't because they don't have a draw engine, and a lot of the time they 
used a lot of resources. Usually their forest seal stone to even get the iron hands in the first place. So that was sort of how we were beating it. It's like it's impossible to just kill the iron hands, but you can at least make it as hard as possible to for them to at least just completely just take through six prize cards in three turns. How would you got you... lines, but it's bad still. So yeah, how would you say that matchup is overall now that we have iron hands in the meta with it? Um, it's really tricky. I mean, my top eight game was not a display of how Gardevoir can handle Iron Hands. I was completely dismantled by it both games due mm. to some very unfortunate draws. I used the Roar of the Sword more than I used the Refinement that <laughs> set, which is not fun, but what can you do? True. Uh, I think, look, I think the matchup's bad. You gotta, if they don't get turn one iron hands you're you've got a reasonable shot i'd say but if they get the turn one you know you're sort of just hoping they don't get everything every turn because if they get the iron hands turn one you know maybe just you just punch with the ex and just hope they don't miss a boss and if they get the boss it's just like well i guess i'm just gonna punch again and iron it a two and hope they don't get you know another boss or something so you know it's it's their game to win but you've got a lot of tools to at least make it really hard for them Speaking of those tools, you had the one boss and the two counter catchers. Is that a thing like you're like, I would never change that around? Or do you ever think there's merit to like two boss, one counter catcher? Yeah, we definitely thought about increasing the boss counts. I'm always a little nervous on cutting, um, cutting like always live gust for mm. situational gust. Um, that was something we saw at last LAIC where every Lugia's just played a load of Serenas and just played like maybe one boss and then like everyone got to day two and we're like I need boss man <laughs> like <laughs> this Serena is not cutting it so I sort of had flashbacks when we were discussing this list and it was like yeah I'm just gonna play two counter catcher one boss oh, I think we discussed not playing boss at all and I was like I I put my executive order on that <laughs> and being like no that's that is not happening you you at minimum you need it for mirror when you go ahead and at worst you've like you're just going to get absolutely exploited by somebody who figures out you don't play it so mm -hmm. um i think at bare minimum you play one i really liked two in the previous lists um but i mean it, it was mostly fine there's not like you don't play research in the list so it's not like you have a choice on when you want to discard your gusts most of the time so it, it didn't felt didn't feel too bad especially screamtail changed a lot of that because you have a much bigger you know um like bench snipe which was sort of an issue in the past because cresselia like it not only is it very resource intensive to use cresselia multiple turns in a row mm -hmm. it also just doesn't do much so i think screamtail on the list makes the gust options i think pretty perfect i wouldn't change much I really want to transition to Screamtail because he made that so good. But I do have a question <laughs> off of the, like, oh, we're going to get exploited by someone who figures it out. Is it ever a consideration yeah. where your testing group is some of the biggest names and most successful players in the game? One of you is going to show up on stream probably pretty early. So is that a real... It's usually Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> so is that a big deal of like, okay, we know Natalie's going to show up on stream by round two or three, and so everyone's going to see our list. And if we're not playing boss, it's not going to work for us. Well, it would work for me, for example. I could play no boss and no one's going to figure it out till later because mm -hmm. I'm one person playing this list that no one's going to see, or they might see on stream, but no one's going to care as much versus, oh, our testing group is high profile, so we have to be careful of 
taking a cheeky play like that. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it's less about going on stream and more mm-hmm. about like in day two when you're versing somebody who's really like clued in. Especially because God of War, you show most of your deck if you go long. Like, if you go really long against something like a Mew or something, like, they will see pretty much your whole list. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can sort of make pretty, like, safe assumptions on, like, oh, I didn't see a boss yet. Like, I mean, ma- the the average person you'll verse in day one won't, won't think twice of it. But, like, mm-hmm. when you get, like, really up there, like, people will, like, people will clock into things that might be missing. Um, I'll give an example... The first LAIC I top aided, I versed Nico in round four, I believe. And he didn't see Venom shot um Naganadal uh, GX, yeah. the, the you know, the one seventy snipe one. Mm-hmm. So we're going um, back to the Mewtwo days, good. right? Yeah, yeah. It, okay. back in the Mewtwo days. And he was playing um Ability Zard. Mm-hmm. Um so he ended up beating me that game, but he, he also he just clocked that he didn't see it yet. So mm-hmm. Going into top eight when I was versing his, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was versing his friend Robin, um, he sort of went. <laughs> I know because he to- they told me it was like he went up to Robin was like, "Hey, I didn't see Venom shot. You're pretty safe to just chuck six energies on a Turtonator on the bench because they literally have nothing to kill it outside of a six energy Espeon Deoxys Frost Divide." So, um. Even stuff like that, like, I wasn't on stream, like, the whole tournament, but, like, mm-hmm. if you get far enough, you know, people will be like, hey, I think they might be missing this card, you know, that could be something you could look out for. So that's something you definitely want to avoid if you plan to go very deep in a tournament. That makes sense. Uh, Screamtail part. Let's go back to that real quick. So mm. this is a card that I think everyone at the start was kind of like, yeah, Guardy's going to play this thing. And then suddenly it's like, Guardy needs to play this thing. Mm. <laughs> how powerful is Screamtail? Like, if you can even quantify uh, it in that way. Yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, we didn't just put it in for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it wasn't like a, oh, this is a good card, we'll just chuck it in. Like, it was pretty clear, like, w- it had some very useful, like, use cases in some problem matchups that we sort of just couldn't, you couldn't leave it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the first one we obviously identified was against Shen Pao, having something to just you know i'll just kill you backscalable like in the past killing their backscalable was hard work and if you were killing their backscalable you weren't ionoing that turn so um that was something that was really valuable in the matchup it turned out that matchup with the avery's as well became like very good for us mm-hmm. um even if they got iron hands and that usually didn't happen turn two and if they weren't getting a turn two we weren't really worried about it mm-hmm. um so that was the main one we added the scream challenge was for champa because we thought a it would be popular and b um we would we would verse it and it would be hard um so that was the first one second one actually excuse me is mirror um You'll often find in previous formats, it was just, I'm going to Moonlight, <clears throat> Moonlight Reverse and just kill Curlia and Curlia and Curlia over and over. Um, and then somebody would run out of energies in their discard and it would be like, okay, well, I guess I'm just bossing now. Um, Dreamtail is very easy to power up. Mm-hmm. You only need two two energies in the discard to just snipe a Curlia off. And you don't need energies. You don't need the energies to keep coming. You can just keep attacking with it over and over. Um, and if they bench Manaphy, 
you can just Avery, and they have to choose whether they want to keep the Curlia that you're going to kill anyway, or the Manaphy that, like, is protecting the Curlia that you're just going to kill anyway. So it's a win-win anyway, yeah. especially with Avery. So um, that was the second big reason for Screamtail. And then, obviously, um, if you do play the Cape, you can um, go a bit higher. I wasn't playing the Cape. Um, James Cox was the only one in our group who ended up playing the Cape. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if you play the cape and you don't play Zation, you definitely need Screamtail. Um, but even if you don't have the cape, I think it's still 160 is just such a perfect number. Um, like the the damage thresholds were so good. It's like two for 80 or like four for 160. Like those are very relevant numbers, mm -hmm. and like it felt like non-negotiable by the end of the testing that we're like, yeah, we have to play this card. Yeah, so like I'm running through this because I haven't put thought into the numbers. So 80 is going to be Comfy, Charmander, uh, mm -hmm. Ralts, Curlia, all that good stuff. Curly, yeah. 160 yep. being Backscalibur and Squawkabilly and yeah, uh, and barrel I mean, somewhere I guess in there. Barrel's one less, but yeah, yeah, it's well. same idea, right? It's a relevant card mm, that is yeah. not going to get Cresselia sniped. I'm sure at some point mm. you have Cresselia sniped for 120, but <laughs> not the most common yeah. play. <laughs> It happens against Rapid Strike sometimes, but not very often. <laughs> but they put the damage in play for you, so it's just like, well, I'm, I'm going to do it now. So why did you not play the Cape? So it was between Cape and Zation for us. That was another okay. contentious issue we had. Um, I think down, the, down our like group of four, like it mm -hmm. was like, I was like set on Zation. Brent was like, I have no idea. Natalie was like leaning towards Cape, mm -hmm. and then James was like, I'm on Cape. So you had like four different like perspectives. Yeah. And I think by the end of it, um, we saw Brent was like, Okay, I'm just gonna play Zation. Natalie was like, I'm gonna play Cape until like 11 30 at the night before. And I was like, You know, Zation's got some pretty good use case against it's a lot better against Charizard and um, Ante Valiant. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'll play the Zation. Um, and then James is like, I've tested with Cape for 300 games and I'm not changing now. I know the lines. Um, so sort of like, we, we weren't actually too sure on what the right play was. I was, I just wanted Zation primarily just for Charizard because sometimes you just need a big nuke at the end of the game. It's like, I got nine. I just fog crystal for my Zation. Like, I don't care if you've ironed me. I have a million outs of this in my deck. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't need to find multiple pieces and um like at the end it also has some niche use cases against uh block it's niche against ente valiant just because it's got a lot of hp and it mm -hmm. can't be pinged down in one turn um and it's slightly less um slightly less resource intensive just because cape you also need an attacker um and it's slightly better against mirror uh, and that's that was debatable um we weren't quite sure on whether the capitalization was better in mirror but Again, just having a nuke at the end of the game is just like pretty valuable. So, uh, like, I can I can see both sides. Mm -hmm. I was Zation just because I was more comfortable with it, and it's slightly better into Charizard. But um, look, I wouldn't fault anyone for playing either or. I love so even after you've gone through that tournament, and I assume you play Guardia Brisbane as well, right? I um I was actually on staff for that. I judged Brisbane. Oh, okay, weekend. yeah. So me yeah. not seeing your name I, in I day two is... I got to watch a lot of Gardevoir. <laughs> yeah. Wait, since when? 
do you are you getting into judging now or is this just kind of like a, eh, i kind of do it occasionally i've actually staffed so we've had seven regionals in oceania post covid mm -hmm. and i've staffed four of them um really i look I, I staff here and there i like staffing the the local tournaments just because we don't have a lot of them mm -hmm. um and like i've felt like i've done enough in australian tournaments well i'm like I really like playing the internationals because it's like you get to see a lot of like I really cherish like traveling overseas. Mm -hmm. Like it's something I don't take for granted. I think traveling to like um you know Perth and Melbourne I'm just like yeah it, it's fine <laughs> like especially especially when you win a two Australian regionals it's like mm -hmm. you know I'm not really shooting I didn't have any, I don't have any like big goals for regionals anymore so I was like I'll just, I'll jump on the staff team and that's a much more fulfilling role mm -hmm. for me at a tournament so that's what that's what i do and i'm also very glad i wasn't playing because getting off a plane on the wednesday before regionals after flying 50 hours is not the most adequate conditions to play at a high level um two days later can i just say how much of a massive flex that is though of just like I've just I've won multiple Australian regionals. Like I'm just gonna go to ICs and top cut them. So I'll just judge on in the meantime. The ICs are hard though. The ICs are really <laughs> I, I struggle at some of them, man. I I will not I will not say the ICs are easy, but the regionals I felt like I'd done what I needed to do for sure. So where was I going with this? Okay, so you didn't play it at all in this past weekend, but no. I, would you have made any changes or anyone that you had worked with? I think your group went to Ente Valiant, if I'm correct yeah, on that they, one. Look, I, I clocked out a bit in the group chats, and then I checked on the Saturday morning. I'm like, you're playing what now? <laughs> Ente Valiant? I was not the biggest fan of that deck, personally. Um I think some of them went pretty deep into the day one standings and then mm. kind of just fizzled out at the end. Um, I think Brent sticked with Gardevoir um, and he finished top 32, I think. But Sounds I right. don't think... Look, the conditions for having to come back from Brazil and then playing a tournament immediately after are pretty rough. So, mm. like, a group historically doesn't do very well at Brisbane just because it's so close to LAIC. Um, and definitely... it. it showed this tournament we, there was none of us in top eight so i would have although i would have played gardevoir again if i was playing so i would have played gardevoir mm -hmm. and i probably would have changed some cards i mean looking at the list i would have probably gone back to one artisan one collapsed mm -hmm. just to respect block a bit more because that was sort of getting some hype it's also niche against ente valiant which was seeing some hype um but i wouldn't have made anything really that drastic so oh my gosh where was i going with this oh another thing on the list that i wanted was the turo so we haven't mm. you've not mentioned once professor turo doing anything so what is this card doing okay. in the list so turo turo is a funny card i can't like obviously most people when they have like a one card tech that's like very situational there are like this is the best card in the deck. Like, it is broken. Do not play the deck without it. Or they're like, this card was trash. I never used it. It sucked. Like, do not play it. Like, it's always one or the other, right? I think for this tournament, it stuck, like, perfectly in the middle. Like, it was good when it was good. But it's hard to quantify whether that card slot could have been utilized better. I mean, there are a couple of times where I 
you know, my Greninja was Cramoranted and I just randomly had it and I just picked it up and I'm like, cool, I've, you know, minus one turn for you. <laughs> and there were some games I was like, I see my opening hand and there's a Turo and there's not much else. And I'm like, well, you know, there, there could have been a third Avery or something. So, it look, it's hard to quantify how useful it was over the tournament. It was useful when it was useful and it was, you know, what it was another refinement when it wasn't. So, um, I think we primarily it. Uh, we primarily had it in there for a few matchups, actually. I mean, the first one obviously is block. Like, mm-hmm. if you start, oh, you start one of the one of the blue dudes, and they start their Snorlax. You just go, okay, we'll go next. <laughs> um, so at least Turo gives you a chance there. Mm-hmm. If you don't start a blue dude, and they, you know, do their play where they just keep bringing up different Pokemon and leaving energy strand on all of them, you can at least pick up a dude and get an extra attack. So, um, it was good for that. Uh. Another, it was surprisingly good against Lost Tina, actually. Like, we don't, it, we don't really know why it was good against Lost Tina. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes they just have to smack into an EX with Lost Impact and hope you miss something and you just, like, Turo pick it up. Or, like, some, a lot of the time they just smack with Cram and then Sableye later and mm-hmm. you can just pick up the Arcana that they smacked. So, it was, like, weirdly good against that in testing, actually. Um, but it was, like, primarily for block i would say it was like our one card answer but if you want a true one card answer of a block this is the this is the scoop right now it's not the most original right. idea but if you want the one card answer of a block you will never lose the block ever again you play enamorous v <laughs> it's a bit of a spooky card but it reads any pokemon with a psychic energy is not affected by your opponent's pokemon's abilities so you will never lose the block ever again with that card. Um, yeah, so if you're really... If you got that one dude at your local, and he's playing block... Well, they're playing block, sorry. Um, and you do not want to lose them ever again. That's that's your one card answer to tilt them off the face of the earth. Um, but Turo's a little more... It's got a couple more use cases and slightly worse against block. I was not... Ex- I knew you weren't going to say Minior. Because it's like, there's no. no way you're hyping it up to give me that. But I was no, 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 no. not expecting an amorous V at all to come out of your mouth. This podcast is sponsored by Tabletop Village. Tabletop Village is the premier Pokemon first trading card game store in the United States. And if you shop at tabletopvillage.com and you use code MELLOW5, that's M-E-L-L-O-W, the number five, you will receive 5% off your order of any sealed products, any sleeves, or even other games that they have, including Yu-Gi-Oh! One Piece or Flesh and Blood. So be sure to shop at tabletopvillage.com, use code MELLOW5 to help support the podcast. Let's go into a couple of the matchups. And the first one I want to start with is one you kind of already alluded to, which is Block Snorlax. And hmm. multiple reasons I want to do this. Number one is a hot topic on Twitter right now. The folks want to hear how Gardevoir beats it. Because Gardevoir is supposed to be one of the worst matchups for Block Lax. And number yeah. two is your one of your testing partners is a Twitch streamer who constantly brags about never losing to Block Lax with Gardevoir. <laughs> so how he brags about not losing to a lot of decks. So... <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but how does Gardevoir beat Block Lax in, let's say, beyond the, oh, you start a blue thing, you Turo it up? Like, there's obviously more to it than that. How do you manage yeah. that matchup? All right. So um, I think the first part is choosing the cards in your deck. Um, that's pretty important in whether you're choosing to respect it at the tournament at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 
the first change we immediately made to respect it was cutting the um the 60 hp routes for four teleportation bursts because that is a get out of, get out of jail free card because it switches to the bench um so it is a terrible gust option for them mm-hmm. um the second one is your game plan has to be um ideally not starting a blue dude that's usually pretty great mm-hmm. um you don't really want to start cress either that's not the best um but the idea is your board wants to be um routes routes mirage step into the other three curliers mm-hmm. and then they'll eventually just keep gusting the curliers because they can't be- gust the routes because you'll just t-burst back and they've wasted a gust for a turn sometimes they do that just to buy some time but usually that's a not the best play mm-hmm. so they'll keep gusting each of the the curliers and then you evolve and um you ideally want to use your reversal energies on the gardevoir exs to um, provide the colorless energy because they are literally useless on Arcana. You're never going by on prizes. Um, so when you have your reversal, you use it to attack with Miracle Force, and then that's how you take your first four prizes. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, you want to get a gust on Rotom. If they penny it up, then you want to at least Iono that same turn. Um, but Turo definitely helps when they've when you've gone through all four of the when you've got all four of the Gardevoirs with energy on them, um, and you've just run out and you sort of need a nuke on um because if you only have three on Arcana, you're not killing a big charm oh sorry, bravery charmed yeah. Snorlax. Uh which I mean is fine. You're hitting them for enough damage, you're putting pressure on and they're gonna have to penny it up or mm-hmm. like just like switch card it or something. But um You'll eventually have to nuke something in the end of the game. Usually they've got something with a cape on it. Um, so usually it just comes down to two rowing to get the energy back into the discard so you can end the game with um, Brainwave or Storm Slash or Scream Tail onto something. Um, that's how you play the matchup. It gets a bit trickier with Avery and Erica and Echoing Horn. Obviously, you don't want to discard the blue dudes with Refinement. <laughs> You just want to discard some useless items that they were going to miss Fortune Sisters anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's how you play the matchup usually. It it obviously I made it sound a little more simple than it actually is. A lot of it come like sometimes they just have two cards in their hand and they're just like struggling and you just like you got to put the you got to put the pressure on them to make them do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we that's how we approach the matchup was you have to step. The other two bench spots have to be routes, so you don't get Erica's. Um, at some point, you can stop. There's some weird lines where, like, you just don't have, like, any Pokemon in your hand, so you just literally stop drawing cards mm-hmm. because you're not scared of you're not scared of Erica's. Um, and then sometimes, if you do have the Pokemon, you just Ultra Ball them immediately and then rod them back in. So you just want to keep them safe in your deck, all your prizes. You don't want them anywhere near your hand, your discard pile, your bench. You just go like, please keep these keep these away from me. Um, but if you got to draw cards like at any point in the game and you just have a bunch of your dudes, then that's generally the line you go for. So like there's a lot you can do in the matchup and I the best my best advice for anyone trying to beat blocks is play a lot of games against it because they will 
put you through some weird board states or like scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that as a matchup, one of the few matchups we actually tested a decent amount, like prior to the event. Another matchup that I think everyone is currently talking about being really fun and I cannot wrap my head around is the Gardevoir mirror match. Because you've added right. Screamtail, you've added Avery's. How, why, what is going on in the mirror match or any tips that you can offer? Because obviously the answer is it depends. But what yeah. are some things you've learned in the mirror? Yeah, it very much depends. Um, <laughs> that's 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 for starters. I think, um, look, you have to really manage what cards you're going to need at the end of the game. And a lot of the time, it's very ambiguous what you're actually going to need. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the past, you just like, right, I'm definitely not going to need Mana Fee. And, you know, I'm probably not going to need some of these stadium cards because they're pretty useless and they're not going to path me. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like, I might need this if this, this, and this happens. So a lot of it is um, just quantifying like, what Pokemon you're going to need, what attackers you're actually going to use. Uh, I think the biggest one is um, knowing when to bench Manaphy is pretty important mm-hmm. um, because your Curlies are like constantly under threat. Um, you want to at least make them use Cresselia as much as possible because the more energy that's stranded around their board, the less likely they are to blow up your EX at the end of the game and just win. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you obviously don't want a full bench because then the Avery is just like, oh, I just like have nothing left now so i think keeping to at least four bench pokemon at the start of the game um is generally a safe rule of thumb just because sometimes they just need to play avery to draw cards and you're Mm -hmm. like well you know i'm fine discarding you know the the mysterious tail mew or like i'm fine discarding one of the routes you know it's not not a big issue um i think something we weren't quite sure honestly like what order to play super odd that was a really hard one because um Obviously, Super Odd's very, very important in Mirror, with, especially with Avery and Screamtail, meaning your Curlies are just, like, constantly dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and Arcana's now. Like, Screamtail killing Arcana is just, like, is, like, is such an insane use case for the for the card. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the consensus we count to is, like, the moment you have Super Odd in your hand and there's a Curly in your discard, you just use it. Like, it doesn't matter if you don't have like anything else in that you just got to use it because by the end of the game you're not if you if you're going oh i should probably save this super odd for another turn like i might get some more value out of it later it's going to get ironed to the bottom and you're not going to have any curlies to draw it back mm-hmm. so we were sort of like maybe we should just burn it as soon as we see it so we at least have some sort of draw at the end of the game um that, that's another tip. Obviously, it's very situational on mm-hmm. when to play Super Odd, but a general rule of thumb is if you don't have a lot of draw on your board and you've got the Super Odd now, use it while you have it. Um, because sometimes the end game gets very weird where nobody is drawing any cards and the only cards you have are Iron O, and that's drawing like one or two <laughs> cards at best. Um, so really value... Super odd for your Curlia and keeping Raiding Greninja until the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Because if you bench it, it's pr- usually the first Pokemon to go off Avery. So at least having it at the end of the game to at least see some cards is uh, pretty valuable. So off of that, if that's one of your plans of, okay, my Curlias are going to go away, which sounds kind of expected because before the Guardian Mirror was 
attack the curly. Yeah, it's the same, same, same situation. Yeah. So are you holding on to energies a little more when you know, like, my only draw is going to be Greninja, so I'm going to try and hold on to, you know, two, three psychics in the deck or maybe keep my fog crystals when possible. Or are you just kind of like, eh, it'll probably work itself out. Um, obviously, it's, it, it's a lot easier to keep energies like around because mm -hmm. Screamtail can kill Curlia. In the past, you would just dump as many energy as possible because I need to use Cresselia like a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to need energies in there for a while. Now with Screamtail, your Gust is a lot easier and doesn't require as many energies. Um, and obviously, if you're going behind, you don't actually need that many energies in discard because reversal is going to be your seventh, eighth, and ninth energy to kill an EX. Mm -hmm. Um, so we found a lot of time you don't really need that many energy in discard, and the energies were often like I like sometimes we just super odd in energies because it's like this is an out off Iono and I have Greninja. So, um, look, obviously, you got to assess how many you need in the discard. Mm -hmm. Um, but it definitely feels like you don't need to dump them all immediately. Sometimes you, like, if you have the, the, the fabled choice of refinement is like VIP pass or psychic energy, because like, they're both like very, I mean, VIP pass is less useful in discard, but it's definitely, definitely better to stay there than in your hand. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're getting ironed with no card draw. So, um, obviously it depends. Sorry. Sorry to say <laughs> it, it depends, but um, yeah, keeping Psychic Energy around as draw at the end of the game is a very valuable resource that I think um, people aren't utilizing as much, especially in Mirror. So you mentioned the like use of Screamtail in Mirror versus Cresselia before, because exactly what you said, you spread your energy everywhere and then suddenly it's really awkward and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But people are going to be asking then, why do you still have Cresselia in this list? Hmm. So Cresselia, obviously, it's still very good against Lost Box. Mm -hmm. um, we were expecting a little bit of Lost Box. Um, look, sometimes you need two Gust options, or like two Snipe options, especially some decks have Manaphy, um, and you just don't have access to the Avery. Um, it was primarily just for the Lost Zone decks, but mm -hmm. it's also, you know, sometimes just good against... You know, you still use it against Mirror occasionally, just as like, oh, I have it, and I have a bunch of energy to discard, and I want to set up some energy on my, like, Arcana, so, um, you know, it's just, it's fresh when it attacks. Um, so, like, obviously, usually people either play Jirachi or Cresselia, and that was another issue we had, was, like, Jirachi is so much better against these Lost Zone decks, but it's pretty useless against, like, most other decks. Um, so it's tricky to like quantify why you'd want Cresselia. It's it's a similar situationization where it's like um there are some matchups where its use cases are better than others. Mm -hmm. Um but the Cresselia was still very good against Mirror just because sometimes you want to set up the energies, but a lot of the time you don't. So um look, I wouldn't fault anyone for cutting the Cresselia for the Jirachi. Um but it was very, very good against the Lost Zone decks, um, and also better into Mirror. Is that sort of makes sense? It, like, Jirachi's mm -hmm. really good against Lost Zone and really bad against Mirror, but Cresselia's kind of, like, pretty good against Mirror and pretty good against Lost Zone. So we sort of, like, 
took the middle route and and stuck with the Cresselia. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? It's like instead of going all in on, let's just say fifteen percent of the meta, you're going all right. I want fifteen plus ten to have cards that are useful inside mm. of them, right? So like, okay. yeah, because contrary to popular belief, Jirachi is useless in Mirror. It is getting Averyed. It's not doing anything. It's like it's just gonna sit there and do absolutely nothing. Um, and we're expecting a lot of mirrors, and I verse six of them, and I would much prefer Cresselia in that matchup as a as a snipe option rather than a Jirachi, which is getting refinemented every time. One last matchup that I have a question about: another meta deck, and I mentioned before, but I'll mention it to listeners too. This is purely selfish. I'm a Charizard player now, apparently, because. I don't know, it goes boom, and it's way less thinking than Gardevoir. I know this is a good matchup for Gardevoir, but I'm curious, what makes it a good matchup for Gardevoir? Like, what exactly is Gardy able to do? How does that matchup usually go on your end? So then I can learn it and uh, figure out how to beat it finally. Sure. Okay, so I'll start off with the Charizard bib version with the Evo TM is it? A absolute freebie. Like <laughs> you cannot lose as Gardevoir. The Avery just like you Avery them, and they sit there having an existential crisis on the five Pokemon they need to mm-hmm. play the game. Um, so that one is totally fine. You cannot lose. You just sit there and you step, and you're fine. You're fine. You wait for them to take a knockout, and if they don't, you just Avery Screamtail Bibarel, and then like you just win eventually. I don't know. It's it's free. It is free. The okay. Pidge version is a little harder just because they can put the pressure on a lot earlier, mm-hmm. especially with bosses. If you don't get a really good setup, um, they can really they can chain your refinements and um, you know you need to draw reverse on that matchup. Like mm-hmm. you need it pretty badly. Um, that was sort of one of the reasons I think why um, Harry ended up winning Brisbane with three reversal because he was versing a lot of Charizards and. That is a very, you need almost like both reversals in the Charizard mm-hmm. matchup. So I'm not surprised why why he did end up playing the three. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it comes down to how early you can kill the Pidgeot because um, they have a lot of really, like, they have a lot of power plays they can do. A lot of it is just raining Charizard um, if the Pidgeot stays around. And I know a lot of the, the Zard Pidgeot decks talked about cutting the Charizard, the Raiding Charizard, but that is a very powerful card in the Guardi matchup because by the end of the game, you're shoving one prizes. Mm-hmm. And if they're able to shove their own one prizer as well, they're like, hey, I can do it too, you know? It can get a bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my primary tip is try and stay one prize behind. Um, and if they're trying to do the same thing, you want to set up like... You want to step and then like have like three refinements and then like an Arcana in play and just like thin your entire deck so that if they are you know at the end of the game, um because you went ahead in prizes you know you don't really care because your deck is just all cards you need. Um, I would value Turo a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are doing this thing where they're just sitting and just like setting their board up and waiting for you to take the prize card because you can go, um put a bunch of energy on Arcana, um, and then, like, kill the Charizard that's in their active or whatever, and then, um, or, like, Screamtail something, and then Turo the EX back in your hand and say, like, 
what what two prizer? Like I didn't put a two prizer in, in play, like I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um so like obviously if you have a poor start, they can kind of just run over you and they, they boss the refinements, you don't get enough energy in discard, you don't draw your reversal, you don't have the curlies to evolve into Arcana to brainwave with said reversals. Like it can get a bit rough, but you just gotta value your card draw very highly mm-hmm. um and kill the pidge as fast as possible. Um yeah, that's all I can really say. One last thing on it, because this has been a... I don't know why. Every list that came out this weekend had a Delphox in it. And this has been a constant thing where I've been like, this card has to be bad. And the rest of my group is like, no, 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 this has got to be good, right? Are you... I don't know if you even hit any, or if this is a whole other like second week moving forward, all the Zards decided Delphox was the move. Is that something that you think is like, oh, I need to be afraid of this in the deck? Or you're like, man, if they show it to me in game one, I'll just bench Manaphy and I'm good to go. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a game one kind of card. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is hard. I think it's a matchup where if they play Avery as well, it's really scary. Um, and that's sort of what I was talking about with, like, the Pidge version has a lot more, like, cool power plays they can do into Gardevoir, which makes it a lot better. Mm-hmm. And that's why you want to kill the Pidge as early as possible. Even if they got, like, what, even, sometimes even if they've got one EX and no Charmanders on, on bench, like, sometimes you're like, actually, you know what, I want to kill their Pidge, so they, then when I kill their Charizard, they're definitely not getting another one. So, mm-hmm. um... Look, the Delphox is good if the Pidge sticks around for a while and they get their Avery, Delphox, Candy, EX, Candy EX, and they have three energies left. Um, that's obviously a pretty powerful play at the end of the game. Um, I'm skeptical on how often they get it off if their Pidge is gone. That's all I can really say. And yeah, good job getting the Avery in there as well, because that was going to be something else I brought up, because both Robin Scholes and Haru played the Delphox. Actually, Haru didn't play the Delphox. I don't think Haru played Delphox. Oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. It. No, you're right. He had the Ro- or they had the Rotom in there. And the Minior. Let's go. Anyway. Yeah, Rotom was gas. I saw, uh, when I was table judging, like in day two, Rotom was on the bench every, every <laughs> game, every game. Rotom's the real secret. Hmm. Anyway, is there anything else about Guardi you want the people to know before we close out? Um, look, it's it's a deck where you gotta play, you gotta get your reps in on it. It's like picking it up at the last minute is pretty uh, a pretty brave move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd at least try and just not in that it's hard to play. It's that you get put in a lot of different situations that like have very ambiguous like 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 decisions you have to make so i would at least put put yourself in a like a handful of like really unique situations so that when you get to that point you're not umming and ahhing and then just tying around you know like you gotta you gotta know what you're doing so you don't a you don't tie and b you don't mess up so um yeah definitely play your fair share of games before picking it up at a tournament and if the people want more from you where can they find you uh, you can find me on Twitter at PKMNMattyB. Uh, I don't tweet too often. I'll tweet when I'm going to a tournament. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, follow my Australian friends. They're all really talented and they play the game 
usually a lot more than I do, and I wish them all success in future tournaments. Myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at MelonerScreamMagicarp. Be sure to rate and review the show, as always. And this has been an episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. Catch you all next week.